You're listening to audio from Cities Church. You can find more resources and learn about our ministry by visiting citieschurch.com. Good morning, church. This morning we are in Psalm 28, and Psalm 28 is a, a hopeful psalm by the end, and Psalm 28 is a prayer of David and also a proclamation of what God has done for him and will do. And so this morning, I want to walk through this psalm in in four sections here. And so first, we're going to see David pleas for preservation to God. Second, he prays for justice. Third, he praises God. And last, he petitions God. And so let's start here in verses 1 through 3, where David pleads for preservation from the Lord. So these verses say, To you, O Lord, I call my rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. And so David, right at the get-go here, calls out to God and says, Hear me, Lord. Don't be silent to me. Hear my pleas for mercy. Don't drag me off with the wicked. So David right away here knows well that he depends on the Lord, that he needs the Lord. He says, God, if, if you don't show up, I will become like those that go down to the pit. And so first we need to figure out what David means by this. So what does David mean by becoming like those that go down to the pit? Or another way to ask this question is, is what is the threat here? Um, first, I, I don't think David's talking about enemies attacking him. And so David here does speak of the wicked in the psalm, but he never mentions enemies that are close at hand that may physically attack him, that may harm him, may try to kill him. And so it, it doesn't mention enemies here, although it does mention the wicked. And the wicked are not the ones here that may drag him off. He says, Lord, Yahweh, don't drag me off with the wicked. And so it's not the wicked that may take David here, but Yahweh that may drag him off with the wicked. And so, so I don't think he's speaking about enemies here. Two, I don't think he means God will accidentally judge him along with the wicked. There are points where David pleads and says, remember me, Lord, don't forget your servant. Don't forget me, I'm upright. Psalm 26, David makes a plea of why he is, he's righteous and upright and sought to pursue the Lord. And so David does this, but he doesn't do it in this psalm. And so I, I don't think he's here thinking that he may get dragged off with the wicked, that the Lord's going to forget him and just sweep him along in the judgment. I think David here mainly has the, the failing of his heart and soul in his mind. And so David's main concern here is for him not to be punished like the wicked because he has become like the wicked. And so David is saying, Lord, if you dry up, your blessing to me, I'll become like the wicked. My heart will dry up. My heart will harden, and you will rightly drag me off with them. And so David here understands the frailty of his heart. He says, God, if you remove mercy, I, I have no good. He understands that Yahweh is the source of all good in his life, every single gift that comes at his hand, whether it's little at some times or much at other times, whether he's in a tent or in a palace. Um, whether it's sorrow or joy, he acknowledges here that it comes from God. 
And he prays that it would continue to flow. Don't be silent to me. Don't dry up your springs of grace and mercy to me. And so in this psalm at the beginning, David's discouraged. He's downcast. He's asking the Lord not to be silent to him. How's your heart and soul this morning? Is it, is it thriving? Does it feel like it's fading? Does it feel like it's failing you? Last year, I had a couple buddies help me roof my house. And so while we're up there, we're pulling off shingles and tearing it all up. And, and some of the big pieces are just big gutters of, of galvanized steel that are kind of the rain valleys. And so these are three feet pieces by 10 feet long. And so we pull them up and all the nails, and then we're just throwing everything off, hoping to have it land on my deck. And so, so it's not in the yard. And so we're throwing lots of stuff. Most of the time we made it, um, but a big piece of steel like that is a, is a dangerous kite. And so you throw it and it kind of goes where it wants to. And so we did in fact have it land on the deck, but as it came down, it just took a hard turn and sweeped right across one of our planters. And so you can imagine what happened to the flowers in there. So they all got chopped off. Now, those flowers still had green leaves and green stems, and they were purple and blue and violet and all kinds of colors. But we know in a couple days, in a couple weeks, they're all gonna be dead. Because what happened? They were cut off from their roots. They were cut off from their source of water. And so it wasn't immediate death there, but they, they dried up. Um, and this can happen often to our heart. In the last few months, the circumstances that we're walking through, this can happen. Um, with, with the virus and all the changes and the challenges and unrest and desires for, for justice and truth in our city, these things could distract us and pull away from God. Um, and, and we can be stressing or fearful or anxious about uh, so many things. And what it has done has pull, pulled us away from God and our minds been occupied by all these other real and important things, but they've been pulled away. Our roots have been cut. Our source of water has, has dried up and we've been separated from it. And like those flowers, our souls may dry up. They may be discouraged. They feel like the, the life is leaving them. Or on the other side of it, blessing can do this to us. And so maybe as COVID set in, it was a, uh, an anxious thing at first. And then with your company or your circumstances, you found out you can, you can work at home. And so you're around your family all the time and, and your pay won't be affected and your hours are actually less or you get less distracted by coworkers. And so for you, in the midst of this, there's been very real blessings on your family. Um, and so you're, so you're strengthened, um, but maybe you're not strengthened by God. You're strengthened by this circumstance worked out for you or it's not as challenging for you. And so even in the blessing there, we can cut our roots to God. We cut our dependence on him and you haven't, you haven't prayed as fervently because stuff's going well and your time in the word in the morning has been skipped or you haven't thought much about it because the need isn't as present as you, as you thought it would. And so in both of these circumstances, we can drift from God, we can be cut from our source and our hearts can, can dry up and be discouraged and be hardened and just feel, feel off, feel distant from God. And it may not be because of today, it might've been the past weeks and maybe the past months that is starting to catch up to your heart. Or it may be neither of those. You may feel like you're pursuing God, you're crying out to him, you're pleading to him, and yet he feels silent to you. 
and you just don't know. You, you don't know why it feels this way. You're, you're trying, but he feels silent to you. This may very well be where, where David is. This isn't his first prayer. He's, he's been praying and praying and praying, and he says, Lord, I, I know how this goes. If you are silent to me, my heart dries up. I feel it. Um, I feel the distance. I feel the gap. Lord, hear the pleas and the cries of my heart for mercy. And so maybe that's where you are this morning. And if you're not there right now, you've been there before, or you will likely be there again. And when you get there, where does your soul go? What, what do you turn to in this moment? David, in the psalm here, gives us three things that he does to encourage and help his heart. And so he shows us three ways to respond here. First, David grasps that God has always been his sustainer, so you may think, Lord, this is a tough circumstance. My strength isn't going to make it. Um, and that's the point. It hasn't depended on your strength. It hasn't depended on my strength. And, and David here, seeing this realization, he understands that he's got a long history with God providing for him. He sees that he has been the provider day in and day out. And so he can look back to the last months and years of his life and say, the Lord gave me grace day in and day out. I've got years of God's faithfulness to look to. So Lord, Lord, do it again here. And so David acknowledges here that the Lord's not just a lifeline that shows up when he needs him, but every day his blessings have been from the Lord. And so he says, Lord, if, if you don't give it, it doesn't come. I know that you give it. I know that you have given it. And so he strengthens his heart in part by remembering that God has always been the giver of blessings and grace. Two, very simple, he prays to God. How many times when these circumstances sink in do we, we go to another thing? Um, we go to the news to get more accurate updates. We look for an article that may be hopeful. We go to other comforts or distractions that will help hopefully ease our hearts in this moment. Um, we go to many other things, but we turn to God. Maybe we go to friends as our first call, and that's a, that's a good thing. That's a blessing that God's given us friends. But do you turn to pray? How many times have you worked through a, a tough circumstance in your life and thought, have I, have I prayed to God about it? Have I asked him first for help? And so David does that here, and I don't want to take that for granted because often our hearts can run different directions to, to good things, but not to God. And so he, so he prays. I don't want us to miss that. And the third thing is, David with faith sets himself in a posture to receive. And so again, in verse two, he says, hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. And so here he says, I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. And so David, in this discouraged time, is still looking and expecting the Lord to answer at some point. And so with faith, he sets himself in a posture to receive. Now, God isn't just the sustainer of David. He's the sustainer of, of all things. And when we get down to verse five, when he's talking about the wicked, it says in verse five that God will tear them down and build them up no more. And so in that, there's an implication that no more means the Lord has built them up before. Now, some translations don't say no more here. They just say that he will be he will not build them up. Um, but regardless if the no more is the correct interpretation here or not, we, we see this in other places of the Bible, and we see it in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus says, 
Your father makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And so every breath anyone has, any blessing that we have comes from the Lord for David, for us, and for everyone. And some recognize this, but as we'll see, some do not. And so the second part of this psalm, David prays for justice in verses four through five. And so in four and five, we have a contrast here of the works of the wicked and the works of Yahweh. And so first, what are the works of the wicked that we see here? And in just a few verses, we actually learn quite a bit. And so verse three, the second part of it says, the wicked here speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. And so this is not an accidental thing. And so he's not saying here, they're really trying to be nice to their neighbors, but it's just, it's just not working out. They're just not that great of people. There's, there's intent here. They speak one thing and they feel and try and do another thing. They speak peace with their neighbors while evil intent is in their heart. And so to be able to do this, they need to lie to their neighbors. They need to deceive their neighbors. They need to be duplicitous in their desires. They show one thing and want to do another thing, and they betray their neighbors. They are intent on doing evil. And so their desires here are, are deeply wicked, and this is contrasted to where, where David is. David, holding out his hand, says, Lord, answer me. I know that I'm a sinful person. I know that I'm weak. Lord, answer me. And this is a, a different picture of evil here. And so they're, they're liars, deceivers, betrayers, intent on doing evil. Not only are they intent on it, but they do it. Their works are evil. The works of their hands are wicked here is, is another thing that it says. And third, the worst of all of them, even though it might not feel that way, they disregard the works of the Lord. They disregard his works and his ways and his words. They disregard Yahweh. And so in response to this, what does David ask for here? He asks for judgment. And he asks for it in two ways here. First, judgment according to what they have done. And so in verse 4, he says, Give to them according to their works and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the works of their hand. Render them their due reward. And so David here says, give them a fitting judgment, not less, not more. Give them what their works deserve. In the Proverbs of the Bible, it, it often speaks of the wicked laying a trap for the innocent and then falling into it themselves. And so the very deed they sought to do became, came upon themselves and they were, they were punished. They were rewarded by their wicked deed, by being judged by their own act. Um, David essentially here is praying, let them reap what they sow. They sow wickedness. Let them reap judgment for those things. And so David here calls, or judge rightly according to what they've done. Not what I think, not what I perceive, according to what they've done, he says in verse 4. And in verse 5, he gives a second reason here. Judge according to the offense to you, God, because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. And so again, it's, it's not towards David here. There's ways that David has been wronged in Psalms and he's cried out to the Lord and communicated that, but that's not what he does here. He says, Lord, they disregard you. Not they disregard me and all the nice things I do and how I give them grace or the ways that they've sinned against me, but he says, Lord, they've sinned against you. They do not regard the works of your hands and what you do, Lord. And so 
punish them according to that, according to the works of the Lord that they do not regard, they do not give thought to. And this language sounds like a, a few places in the Bible here. So one of them is Psalm 19 that talks about the works of the Lord. So Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim his handiwork. His handiwork, the works of the Lord. And Romans 1, 18 through 20, speaks again about the works of the Lord and the wicked not giving regard to them. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. And so the wicked here in Psalm 28, these are the works of the Lord among many things, and they do not regard them. They do not think on them. They do not consider them. And so summarizing here, Paul asks for, sorry, David asks for the Lord to judge the wicked here. And it's not personal vengeance. David doesn't mention wrongs done to him in this text, although David no doubt has many enemies. He considers the works of the Lord and knows he will judge. And so he first prays, Lord, help me not to be like the wicked. Sustain my soul. Sustain. Be my help. And then judge those according to their deeds and according to their disregard for you, Lord. And so that's how David here asks for judgment. Three, we see David praises the Lord for his answer in verses six through eight here. And so David in verse two asks of the Lord, he's ready to receive, and the Lord hears and answers. And we've got a, a shift in tense here. So in first, in verse five, we saw a change. In verse one through four, David is speaking to Yahweh. And in verses five through eight, he is speaking of Yahweh. And so in verse six, he says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. And so David has heard an answer. I don't know the time frame here. Maybe it was instantaneous. Maybe there's, there's a period here and David is recounting what the Lord has done. Um, but it's possible that the answer that David received is verse 5. That as David is praying this and pleading to God and looking to receive, the Lord reminds him that he will judge the wicked. Those that disregard the works of the Lord, they will receive what is due them. And in contrast of that, those who regard the works of the Lord, I will be their rock and their shield and their help. I will be their refuge. David, I will come through to you. And so there's, there may have been just hope here from him being reminded that the Lord sees what we do and he will judge accordingly and he will bless David as he seeks to make God his refuge. And so I don't know if that was the response, but that could have been. And in verse 6, he says, Praise be to God, you have heard my plea for mercy here. And so God answers David in 6 through 8. And the provision that, God, that David praises God for here goes in, in three different directions. So the first direction here is to David in verse 7. He says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song I will give thanks to him. And so there's a progression here in David's heart. So we see a prayer of faith. Maybe it was a, a struggling faith at the beginning, but he holds up his hands and he says, Lord, listen to me, preserve me, 
help me. And then here he says, the Lord is my strength, my shield, and him my heart trusts. I've been strengthened in that trust. My heart's helped and my heart exalts. And so the Lord raises David out of this and it overflows in praise. He says, I will sing my song to the Lord. You have revived my soul here, God. And so David's heart progresses out of this, being strengthened in trust of the Lord, being helped, and then exalting and singing praise to God here. The Lord is his strength, um, and he's thankful to God. One way to think about how you've been strengthened is, where does your thankfulness go? Does your thankfulness go to God? If your thankfulness goes to God, it's likely that you feel strengthened and helped by God. Um, But if it doesn't go to God, what, what does it go to? Or does it go anywhere? If you think you've strengthened yourself, that thankfulness won't be thankfulness, but it will return to yourself actually as pride. And you'll say, I have done this. I've made it through. Um, the COVID situation isn't nothing. I'm, I'm stronger for it. My life is at ease and there's no regard to God and no thankfulness for what he has done. And so where your thankfulness goes is likely where that strength has come from. And so do you give thanks to God as he sustains you daily? The description we see in Psalm 28 here and back in Romans 1, is that what do the wicked do? Well, they do wicked deeds, but they don't give thanks to God. They don't regard what God has done. And so continuing on in Romans, we ended in 120, now into 121. He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They did not give thanks to God. And so we see a progression here in David's heart, and here in the wicked, we see a digression of their heart. And so first, they, they do not regard the works of the Lord. They do not give thanks to him. And their foolish hearts are darkened. And what those foolish hearts in Psalm 28 do is they deceive and lie to their neighbors. And their works are evil. And they do wicked things. And so they don't regard the Lord. Their hearts are darkened. And their deeds and wickedness follows. And so there's a digression here as there's a progression in David's heart being helped by the Lord as he regards his words and his help for him. And so just like David, the wicked are dependent on the Lord, but they don't recognize it. And Psalm 28 says he will tear down the blessings that he's given them and he will give them the reward according to their wickedness. And so so there's a warning here for us to to be thankful to the Lord, to regard his works, to not be puffed up with pride and feel that that you have restored yourself or you are so strong that the Lord is not sustaining you. And so if you you think you stand on your own, take heed here. It, It starts with disregarding the works of the Lord. And if you don't regard what the Lord says and what he does and give thanks to him, your heart can harden, your heart can dry up, your heart can be darkened. And then you go on and, and, and do what you want and, and become a worker of evil that David says here, the Lord will drag off. And he says, make me not one of those. And so we see this flowing out towards David. And then it also goes to God's people and to his anointed in verse 8. It says, the Lord is the strength of his people. He's the saving refuge of his anointed. And so David's heart is revived. He praises God for what he has done. He says he's the strength of his people as well. He's the strength of his leaders and his anointed. And so who is the anointed here? Well, it's the kings are the anointed of Israel, like David, a king like David, but also 
as we've seen, the Messiah is the anointed of God. And so last, we get here to David's petition to God in verse 9. And so his thanksgiving here overflows. It starts with him. It goes to his people. It goes to God's leader and God's anointed. And then he says, bless us now and forevermore. And so in verse 9, he says, oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forevermore. So David's asked of the Lord once in verse 2, and the Lord responded in verse 6. And he asks again now for blessing, and the Lord again responds. Yahweh, the saving refuge of his Messiah, answers this prayer and sends his Messiah. He sends the shepherd king that was to come, the king that will reign and lead his people forever. Jesus comes as a shepherd, not only for the sheep of Israel, but the sheep that are not yet of this fold, and he will bring them in also. And when they come in, he will not cast them out. Just like David, he will not cast them out. Jesus says in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. David, you gave thought to my works. You have heard my voice. My hands, the Messiah says, Yahweh says, will not drag you off with the wicked. They will carry you forevermore. I will be a shepherd for you forevermore. And so this is the greatest work of God's hands, that he sends Jesus to come and die for our sins and to redeem us and to give us his spirit and seal us so that he will be our leader, our shepherd king forevermore. And he will bless his people and he will carry us with his hands. He will not drag us off with the wicked for those that make Yahweh their refuge and their strength. And so this is the hope that David has here. This is this hope that we have here. And so I, I love this psalm. Um, every time I've walked through this psalm, the Lord has used it as a balm for my soul, and he has restored me to say, I'm, I really am weak. Lord, if, if you the, pull the plug in my strength, I have no strength, Lord. I'm dependent on you day in, day out. And the Lord hears my cries for mercy, and he comes and he strengthens my resolve, and he strengthens my soul, and he strengthens my faith and trust in God, and I'm helped, and my heart overflows in praise. Praise for what he has done in my heart, praise that he, what he'll do for his people and how he leads us and that he will be strength and a help for his people forevermore. And so may we say to the Lord along with David, oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be our shepherd and carry us forevermore.